Kane and Bucks. We said before the match, 100 minutes at halftime, 60, and now it's only 25. We've come too far, let us slip now. That is not to say we go defensive, though. We're still keeping this bloody pressure up as never been kept up before in the history of North Melbourne. The great Ron Barassi to tell us about his legacy is a man that would have covered him extensively, the legendary chief football writer of the Herald Sun, Mike Sheen. Mike, thanks for your time. Two of my favourites. What a pleasure to wake up on a Monday to talk to you too. <laughs> and it's a pleasure to talk to you as well. Um, what, just your emotions, Mike, and, and the legacy that this man leaves. Yeah, well, I, look... Um, you know, when you get to my vintage, Kane, you've seen most people in this business. And, and I saw um, the young Barass. You know, I saw him. I, my first memory of him playing was in the 58 grand final. So I was 11, he was 22, and he was playing, uh, he was playing his fifth grand final in a row. And look, he, I think if I would try to put him in a sentence, it would be that he was a fierce competitor. He was clearly a high achiever. And he was an excellent human being. And even, and, and even with his own 44 clubs that he, was, um, that he serviced, I think ultimately it was his commitment to football that sort of set him apart. And he excelled in, in so many different roles. But c- can I ask you about Ron Barassi, the player? Like, so, so for those of us that yep. didn't get to see him play, he started as a ruckman, Mike, but then more moved into the, the ruck rover, as it was called then. And no, he, he was a powerful player, what, like explosive type? He, he, he wasn't. I don't think he was ever a ruckman, Kane. I think, I think initially Norm Smith was trying to make him a forward, uh, and at one point he sort of thought, well, this isn't going anywhere, and so then it was sort of play him in the in the in the middle in the action, let him sort of use his tenacity and his grit um, on the ball, and they fashioned this role of ruck rover. I mean, he was he wasn't a rover, uh, but he certainly wasn't a ruckman either. So I think that was the birth of the ruck rover role. And he was just such a fierce competitor. I mean, everyone said the same thing about him. I think there's varying views about how naturally talented he was, but he didn't care about that. He said, the only responsibility you have is to make the most of the talents you've given. Um, Which point- and I think when I get asked about um, to liken him to someone, um, I, the bloke who comes to mind all the time with me is Paul Kelly. The brass wasn't quite... He didn't have the, certainly the finesse of, say, a Ted Whitten and a few others of his era... But like Kelly, he was just unrelenting. He was tough, uh, good over his head, surprisingly good over his head, and sort of made himself, fashioned himself into a reasonable kick. So we're not in there. He, he didn't play during the social media era, era um, Mike. So I presume that a lot of the legend of, of, a, of a Ron Barassi was done word of mouth. Yeah, you might not only you might not only see him play maybe once or twice against your team throughout a year, but how did that legacy and how did the legend of Brass grow as a player? Well, I think Bucks. It's an interesting question because you talked about social media in the in the times when Brass was playing. And I remember when I went to the um, the Herald Sun. Uh, no, I went to the Herald in 1980. The Melbourne Daily Papers, that was the Sun, the Herald, and the Age were selling 1.5 million copies a day. Now, that's a massive penetration of the market. So, so many of us got our information about football via the, by the media, uh, and he was a huge figure in the media. He and Ted Whitten were the biggest figures in football at the time. 
So, again, I think it was sort of word of mouth and also what we read. And then when TV came into play, there was the, you know, the, we learnt more and more about these blokes. And what about, um, yeah, leaving Melbourne as a player and then going to coach um, other other clubs? When when that happened initially, I, I can only imagine that there there would have been uproar in, from the Melbourne Football Club uh, having one of their favourite sons uh, go and coach the opposition. Well, uh, look, it didn't happen in general terms, Kane. I mean, at that stage, I mean, the great players stayed where they were. But leaving the Melbourne Cricket Club, because you'll find this hard to believe, but the Melbourne Football Club at the time was a section of the Melbourne Cricket Club, right? That's what it was called. It was no different to the bowl section and the cricket section. And Brass was... Um, played, Brass played in... Um, from 1954 to 1960, played in grand finals every one of those years. And in 64, they pinched another flag, probably lucky to do so in 64. So his last game for the Melbourne Football Club was captain of a premiership team. And the start of the next year, he's wearing the navy blue. Uh, and I think to his credit, that was typical of Brass. Norm Smith said he would step aside at Melbourne and let Brass coach. And Brass, he said, no, I need to learn more about the world and more about you know, the environment in other clubs. And so he went to Carlton and then the coaching journey started there. What was he like to cover, Mike? I mean, you're an expert in, in, in media, clearly, and, and those would have been more interesting than others, those individuals. What was, was he like to write about and, and cover? You, Kane, you need to be careful about how you couched your question uh, and the content of the question. He wasn't per- the, the thing I thought was always good about Brass, even though he could yell at people, he, to my knowledge, he never got personal and belittled the person asking the question. But he could challenge the observation or challenge the question, which he did often. But I think then when it was finished, it was done. Like he, he was great to have a discussion with or a debate, whatever you want to call it. Every time Brass was asked a question, he gave you an honest answer. And I, I, I admire that in someone. It didn't matter what the question was or what the consequences of the answer were. You got Brass's honest answer. So... I love covering him, but I remember early on being very, very nervous. Like he and John Kennedy and Norm Smith were sort of intimidating figures. Um, but then we got, because North was so good, we used to cover so many of their games and then stay back at Arden Street afterwards. And I remember many fond moments of uh, Barras with his Bacardi and Coke and the rest of these journos hanging off him and just enjoying sort of having an audience with this great man. Some of the uh, audio that we've heard this morning um, has been amazing and it probably brings to light how important it is to, to collect those moments. But one, one of them that uh, I don't know if it's got a lot of airplay, but I've seen a fair bit. Did he have a run in with, um, with Zantuck? Um, and it looked like they were, yeah. were going to have an altercation on field. What, what, what can you tell us about that moment? Well, he had, he had runs in with lots of people, Bucks. Um, and that, that they captured the Zantac one. And Shane himself, Shane Zantac, was a fiery little individual. He would, he would give back as well as he got. Um, so that would, there would have been plenty of those. And I mean, it's the famous one with Jared Healy when Barras launched into him. I don't think, and, and Barras launched into Brent Crosswell. It, it didn't matter. Possessions it didn't one. matter whether the player was the best player in the team or the worst. If they didn't do what Brass said or they hadn't executed properly, he would dress them down. Mike, we also sadly lost Kevin Cowboy Neal yesterday. Uh, can you speak to his legacy and obviously been a key part of that 1966 flag for the Saints? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I, look, I really like Cowboy. I didn't always like the way he played his footy, but that was the era. I mean, the 60s mm. and 70s about, you know, you just whack bloke when you felt like it. And he certainly dealt out plenty. 
But he was good. He was very, very competent at both ends of the ground. Uh, and I think um, he, forever, he was just one of those blokes that sort of said, Barry Breen kicked the point that won us the game. But there's a big bloke called Cowboy Neal that kicked the five goals that got us in position. So I really liked him. I remember going three or four years ago, a group of us went up to Beechworth where he was in care and he wasn't well. Um, and we sort of caught up with him. And the group included Ross Oakley, who played at St Kilda, and Peter Hudson, who famously played on Cowboy in the 71 grand final. And Cowboy worked him over, nearly removed an ear and whacked him around the ears. But for all that, when that was when the when the day passed and when their playing careers were over, it was whether they were good blokes or not. And Cowboy was universally regarded as a good bloke. Mike, before we let you go, who wins it from here? Um, I think we actually, Kane. I did think at the start of the year that Brisbane were the team to beat. And if I were, if it were a race, we we're talking about a horse race. I think the form analysts would say that Brisbane have got the runs on the board. Admittedly. It looks like Collingwood will, um, if Collingwood gets through, they've got the home ground advantage. But I think Brisbane's such a complete team that if I had to have 100 on someone at the moment, it would be on Brisbane. Lovely memories this morning, and we appreciate you joining us. You're always so generous with your time. Mike, we appreciate it. Thanks, boys. Mike Sheen there, the legendary chief football writer, speaking about the legacy of uh, two immortals that we lost over the weekend. Exactly, and, and I, I think... Um, I think Mike's an immortal as well. Mm, we, no doubt. We don't hear enough. I mean, he's obviously been in our media for decades. But I'd, I'd, uh, I'd listen to him every day if you were prepared to you know, put him put him back on the on the radio. But he's um, he's done his work, and now he can put his feet up and, and relax and enjoy other people did doing you do it I, like yourself. Did you do open mic? Uh, yeah, I did an open mic, yeah. yeah. It's a good experience, I thought. Yeah, I think when you get interviewed by someone who is so that has such great knowledge about the game, mm. has has seen all there is to see, has met all of, all of the people, and can and knows what makes people tick, uh, and and the performance side of it as much as the personal side of it, I, I think uh, he did an amazing job.